Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. We, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to read the theme verse of our day. And then I want to spend the most of my time teaching you out of Luke chapter 24. Okay, we're, today we're talking about a living hope. Somebody say living hope. It's a hope that's alive. It's a hope that produces life. Can I have a good amen? Uh, how many of you love Easter? You just enjoy this time of year. Uh, how many of you have enjoyed the weather this weekend? Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah, getting out in the yard, working in the flower beds. I love it. I love Easter egg hunts. Uh, I love new outfits. Anybody wearing a new outfit today? Oh, yeah, fellas, how many of you are wearing something um, that was prescribed for you and it's against your will? Anybody? (laughs) Uh, I love time off. I love time with family. Um, I love crawfish boils. Who's boiling some crawfish today? Okay, what time? What time are we boiling? I'm coming. Do you remember, speaking of Easter, do you remember where you were last Easter? How many of you going back 12 months and you remember exactly where, where you were on Easter Sunday? Yeah, restricted. You were huddled up in a house somewhere. A, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns this time last year. How many of you are thankful for progress? Oh, listen, this is, let let me tell you, you were at home last year. Guess where I was? Check out the screen. Here's a picture of where I was. (laughs) I was in this big old auditorium all by myself. Gosh, it was miserable. I've learned something about myself over the last 12 months. I'm addicted to humans. How many of you have discovered that we are better together? Come on, talk to me. Oh, it's so good to see you. It's so good. Thank you for being here. Oh, man, I love it. You know, I was thinking about some of the more memorable Easter's that I've had uh, back in 2007, Easter weekend, 2007. It was Good Friday. Kids were off from school, and so they were all playing. Neighborhood kids were playing. And Alexa, she was eight years old at the time, my oldest daughter, she said, Dad, let's play some kickball in the backyard. So I was like, great, let's play. So we're back there. We're playing. And, you know, of course, I'm trying to be a good dad, and I'm trying to encourage her, her self-esteem, and she's a winner. She was killing me, okay? She, she was beating me like a drum. And then she made the mistake of running her mouth. She started trash-talking me. I think she got that from her mama. I don't, she didn't get that from my side of the family. She started running her mouth, and so I was like, whoa, 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 wait just a second. How many of you have, have people in your life that can push your buttons? I said, okay, we're fixing to figure this thing out because daddy plays to win. So I started mounting this comeback, and she could feel the momentum of the game beginning to shift. The score is tied now. It's slipping out of her grips, and I'm up at the plate, and she rolls the ball to me. Boom! I kick it into the corner of the yard. I rounded first. I headed for second. I made a beeline to third base, and as I was rounding third base, getting ready to head home, there was Alexa with that ball standing right in front of home plate. She left me with no choice. (laughs) Hey, don't judge me. Come on, somebody. 
Come on, dads. How many know sometimes we got to teach our kids not just to win with excitement, but to lose with dignity? Come on. And so I'm telling you, like a locomotive, I rolled down that third baseline, and her little brown eyes got so big, and I go to take her out. I'm taking her out in Jesus' name. And so I go to slide, and my, my foot got caught in the turf, and, and I, it went the wrong way. And when I laid down to slide, pop, I broke my leg. And my foot is dangling on the end of my leg. I think she pegged me as I'm hobbling around. The jury's still out on whether I was safe or out, but I just remember showing up to church that weekend on crutches. You know, Jesus came for the broken. Can I have a good amen? When I think about Easter, I think about, you know, the hope that Jesus gives us. Maybe we have broken relationships. Maybe we have a broken dream. Uh, Maybe there's a a thought for your future that you once held to, but no longer. You know, when I consider the last 12 months that we've walked through as a country and as a culture, can I tell you, we are a broken people. Between politics and pandemics and everything in between, we are broken beyond repair and we can't fix ourselves. That's why we need a living hope. We need a hope that's alive. I talked to a guy the other day. He said, Pastor, my waistline is in inflation. My hairline is in recession. And overall, I'm in depression. (laughs) I'm like, brother, you need some hope. You know, the scripture tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, our theme verse for today, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For in his great mercy, somebody say great mercy. How many of you are thankful that God's mercies are new every morning? Bible says in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a what? Living hope. Where does this hope come from? Well, it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Can I tell you, resurrection changes everything. When they crucified Jesus 2,000 years ago, that Friday was dark. Saturday was silent, but Sunday changed everything. Uh, Hope, you listen, the, the, the success of your life is not determined by the place of your birth. It's not determined by the color of your skin but it's determined by the size of your hope. And I'm here to encourage you today that hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody say Jesus. Oh, there's power in that name. There's life in that name. There's victory in the name of Jesus. You know, we've been in this series called Glimpses of Light, and we've been talking about certain narratives in the gospel surrounding the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to pick up our story today in Luke chapter 24. This is Resurrection Sunday, 2,000 years ago. And this is the the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, okay? This is post-resurrection. Jesus has already been raised from the dead. And look with me in verse 13. The Bible says this, Luke 24, 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, pay attention to that. This village called Emmaus is a small village right outside of the metropolitan city of Jerusalem. And we'll see the significance of it in just a moment. Verse 14, as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had just happened. As they talked and discussed these things, 
Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. You know, reading this again, it reminds me, uh, sometimes the Lord is closer than we think he is. Sometimes Jesus will show up in unexpected moments. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Get the picture. These two men were so discouraged. They were followers of Christ. They were there at Jerusalem when Jesus had ridden in five days earlier, a week earlier. He had come into the city on a donkey, and the streets were lined with thousands of people. Their hopes hung on this man, and yet Friday they see Jesus crucified. So the Bible tells us they're they're leaving Jerusalem in discouragement, in despair, headed to Emmaus. Jesus shows up. His identity is concealed. And he says, hey, boys, why are you so sad? And they look at him and they're like, what? Are you from another planet? I mean, no, Jesus wasn't from this planet. You haven't heard? Everyone in in Israel is talking about the the man from Nazareth. He was a great prophet, and and, and we had great hopes and dreams that he was going to deliver us. But they crucified him on Friday. The Bible says in verse 21, in this discussion, they tell Jesus, we had hoped. We had hoped. Notice, past tense. We had hoped. I think that's the beginning of a thousand sad stories. We had hoped that this marriage would work out. We had hoped that this child would be healthy. We had hoped that this job opportunity, this pay raise, this promotion would set our future. We had hoped for a good doctor's report. The disciples said we had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days Ago. If you're taking notes, I want to give you three simple thoughts as we move through this passage. And the first is simply this, losing hope. You can hear in this conversation the heart being crushed through these disciples. Uh, what they had banked on happening didn't turn out that way. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem a week prior, they were wanting to crown him as king. Surely this is the man that would defeat the Roman government, that would liberate the nation of Israel and set up his kingdom here on earth. So they headed to Emmaus in despair, leaving Jerusalem, headed into darkness and depression. Let me ask you this. What do you do when you lose all hope? Have you ever been at a hopeless place in your life? Come on, anybody? Anybody walk through a season of discouragement and and, and you just didn't know how to process, how to handle it? You know, some people handle hopelessness in different ways. Uh, Some people turn to unhealthy relationships. Some people try to find hope in medication or or, or a, a, a bottle. Or Sometimes we develop unhealthy habits or we throw ourselves into work. What do you do when you feel hopeless. You know, I went through a season of discouragement. I was in a dark place a number of years ago. Our church was walking through a a lot of transition, a lot of uncertainty. And I remember uh, working long hours and just feeling like everything, all the effort that I applied was fruitless. I remember at the end of a long day getting in my car and I was headed home. And as I'm driving down Airline Highway, I see a Burger King on the side of the road. And I don't know how it happened, but my Honda pulled right into that drive-thru. And I heard myself place an order. Y'all ever hear yourself say things? You're like, hmm, that's interesting. I went through that drive-thru and I said, could I have not one but two double whoppers? Come on, somebody. 
I was going to have it my way. Uh huh. Add some cheese to those double whoppers. I was trying to drown my sorrow <laughs> in a double whopper with cheese. I ate both of them by the time I got home. <laughs> Rachel didn't have a clue. She said, well, you're in a good mood today. <laughs> These disciples had lost all hope. They said he spoke of a kingdom, but how can you have a kingdom without a king? Our king is dead. It's over, period. But you know, sometimes we try to put a period where God puts a comma. Can I I give us a little English lesson? You know where I'm going with this. They taught us in elementary school that when you reach the end of a sentence, you punctuate it with a period. It says the end. But you know, a comma says, whoa, wait, no, no, no. We're going to pause right here, but there's still more to come. Listen, don't put a period where God puts a comma. 2,000 years ago on Friday, the devil want to put a period and say, this thing about Jesus is over. But God said, no, comma, uh-uh-uh-uh, Sunday's coming. You see, it's not the end of you. The devil wants you to think it's over. It's over for your marriage. It's over for your children. It's over for your hopes and dreams, period. And God says, no, 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 comma, I'm not done yet. You see, these disciples were losing hope on this seven-mile walk to Emmaus. They thought everything that they had pinned their, their future on was gone, yet God was in control and orchestrated every detail. You read what happened that Friday. You know, you, you, you see how the weekend began to unfold, and God was in control all the time. It wasn't Pontius Pilate. It wasn't the Roman soldiers. It wasn't the Jewish leaders. It wasn't an angry mob. Listen, they put Jesus in a borrowed tomb. You know why? Because he wasn't going to stay there too long. Losing hope. Look at what it says. I love how Jesus steps right into their hopelessness. Verse 27 Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, keep in mind, they're talking to a stranger. They don't realize that this is Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus begins to take them through the word. They go from losing hope to learning hope. See this progression now. It's fascinating to me that Jesus' first step was not to reveal his identity, but to take them to the word. You see, they were talking about the news of the day. How many of you know when you talk about the news of the day, you get depressed? Anybody get discouraged watching the news? How many of you just sometimes need to turn it off? You you see it and you're like, ah, I can't take it. I can't take it. It just, it it drags me down. They're talking about the news of the day, and yet Jesus is trying to encourage them with the scriptures. You know, I think there's a great lesson in here for us. You know, you and I are going to have to learn to navigate through the news of the day with the encouragement of God's word in our hearts. Does that make sense? Can I tell you, the news can tell you what's happening, but God's word can tell you what to do with what's happening. Do you see the difference? <laughs> Man, I saw this meme last week. I thought this was hilarious. Have you heard the little saying, liar, liar, pants on fire? How many's heard that before? Liar, liar, pants on fire. Yeah, th- th- this meme said, if liars' pants were really caught on fire, the news would be a lot more fun to watch. 
<laughs> and all of God's people said, uh, it's hard to know what to believe and, and who to trust. And, you know, it's one thing to be informed about what's happening around you, but it's another thing to be encouraged with what God wants to do in you. You know, Jesus didn't reveal his identity. He kept it concealed. But he begins to bring them through the scriptures because he knows these disciples need to learn some things. They need to relearn some things. I taught them for three years. I thought they knew. How many of you know sometimes we're put to the test and what's revealed to us is we don't know as much as what we think we do? So they go from losing hope now to, to learning hope. Somebody told me the other day, Pastor, modern problems need modern solutions. And I said, wait a second, modern problems have ancient solutions. For, for believers, for those of you who name the name of Jesus Christ, we are people of the book. We, we, we can listen to the news of the day, but then we have to go back to what God's word says. Jesus was trying to press reset on their thinking. How many of you wish that life had a reset button? How many wish that your kids had a reset button? They come in with that attitude and you're like, uh, 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 pause, reset, try it again. How many wish that last week had a reset button? Or some of the things you did and said last year could be reset? Mm, it's getting quiet in here today. Yeah, I was thinking, this is funny because I have a degree in computer science, okay? I graduated top of my class in computer science, and I can barely check my emails, all right? I am so technology deficient. How many of you, you need a teenager in your life to help you with your smartphone? I'm like, kids, can you, can you help me here? I can't get it to do this. And they're like, dad... Why don't you just turn it off and then turn it back on again? And you know, you kind of press the off button and then turn it back on. It's like, oh, how did that happen? And then you need a password. God help us. <laughs> how many things passwords are of the devil? I can't remember any of my passwords and I got to get to my stuff. And, and then it tells me my password is too weak. And, and then it's like, oh, you know, you've had it too long and you need characters and symbols. And I'm like, shut your mouth. Just give me my stuff. I hope that when I get to heaven and I'm standing at the pearly gates, <laughs> how terrible would it be if Peter says, what's the password? <sighs> Listen, I'm banking on J-E-S-U-S. -S. Can I have a good amen? That's going to unlock everything you need. <laughs> not my good works. Definitely not my good looks. Only thing I have to offer is just, oh, God, here I am. I need you. Oh, Jesus was trying to press reset on some things in these disciples' lives. Uh, uh, maybe you're here today and you've gotten away from the Lord and you need a reset. You've, you, you go from losing hope. Listen, you can learn some things today. Uh, read this with me. Let's finish this story. Verse, verse 28, as they're talking about the scriptures, the Bible says by this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him to stay. They said, stay with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. Here's what I love about Jesus. With Jesus, there is no forced entry. He shows up by invitation only. 
God's not going to force himself into your life, into your relationships, or into your future. He must be invited in. And they said, stay with us. It's getting late. And so the scripture says in verse 30 that Jesus enters this home and watch what he does. As they sat down to eat. How many of you food makes you happy? Oh, yes. I realize that my attitude is directly proportional to my food intake. Set down for a good meal. Watch what Jesus does. The Bible says he took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to them. Does that sound familiar? Did you think those disciples had seen Jesus do this a time or two? I love it. I read this again this week and I thought, Lord, would you do for me the same way? Would you take my life? Lord, would you bless it? Put a grace on it. Lord, would you break off anything that doesn't look like you? And then God, give me to a world in need. The Bible says at that moment, watch this, verse 31, suddenly, somebody say suddenly, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Wow. Look at that exchange. The Bible says when they received the bread, their eyes were opened. Can I tell you this? Jesus is the bread that was broken for you. And when you receive him, then you begin to see things that you've previously missed. These disciples went from losing hope to learning hope, and now they had experienced a living hope. Jesus was with them. Notice what Jesus did here. He goes from being the guest to the host. Isn't that beautiful? They invited him in the home as a guest, but look at what he's doing. He's the one that's blessing the meal. He's the one that's serving the food. God does not want to be a guest in your life. He wants to be the host of it. When you invite him in, then you let him do what he does best. It's powerful. Jesus is with us even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. We're encouraged by the words, and then we surrender our hearts. He becomes the host of our lives, and then our eyes are opened. Look at what it says in verse 32. Then they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he was talking with us on the road, and he explained the scriptures to us? They said, hey, we were confused in our heads about all the news around us, but we were encouraged in our hearts when he spoke God's word to us. Can I tell you this? God wants you to be strengthened in your heart. He wants your heart to burn within you, burn with passion, burn with purpose. The news of this day will confuse our heads, but God says, if you give me your heart, then I can take care of the mess in your head. God wants you to have him right here. That's what this Easter is about, us creating an opportunity, a space and a place where the Lord can become the host of your life. You can feel him right here. I'm reminded of what a little five-year-old girl said one time. She says, I know God lives in me because when I put my hand on my heart, I can feel him walking around in there. Isn't that awesome? Put your hand on your heart just for a moment. You feel that? What are you feeling right now? 
Guess what? You can't make that heartbeat. You don't decide that. You didn't wake up this morning saying, beat, heart, I need you to beat. You just woke up. What you're feeling inside of you is called purpose. It's called the hand of heaven. And it's God's love and his hope saying, I want to dwell within you. They left Jerusalem totally hopeless. But watch what it says here. This last verse, the Bible says in verse 33, and within the hour, they were back on their way to Jerusalem. They left the city totally discouraged and without hope. But the Bible says when they had that moment in Emmaus, which represents hopelessness, and everybody has an Emmaus in here. Some of you are at Emmaus right now, and God's saying, I'm trying to get you back to Jerusalem. I'm trying to get you back to the city of hope. They left Jerusalem hopeless, but they came back with a heart fully alive with the hope of heaven. You know what that tells me? You won't leave like you came in Jesus' name. I don't know what you brought in here today, all of the pain and all the brokenness and all the hurt that this world offers. Man, we live in it. We we try to navigate through it. But I tell you this, you can return back to your world a different person from the inside out. I think about a young man on our staff. His name is Chris Simons. I love Chris. Chris is such a gifted, talented guy. He was telling me his story a number of months ago, and he said, you know, my first time, my first experience with HPC, he said, it was a hard day for me. He said, my dad was a Baton Rouge police officer, and he died of a heart attack back in April of 2008. The first time I'd ever heard of HPC was at the funeral of my father. That first experience that I had, he said it was so difficult and so painful. After that day, when I would drive down Highland Road, I couldn't even look at the church because I felt like my life was in pieces. That place represented pain and discouragement and darkness in my life. He said, I met Camille. We got married and we realized, hey, if we're going to have a successful marriage, we need to be in church. If we're going to raise kids that thrive, we need to raise them in the house of God. And so we made a decision to attend HPC. After all these years uh, associating that place with pain, I took a step of faith. And he said, I'll never forget, I was sitting up in the raised seating, up in the very last row. And he said, when the message went forth, he said, Pastor, I feel like I was the only one in the room. That God was talking just to me. Do you know the Lord knows what you need right when you need it? You know, you can be in a room with thousands of people and heaven dials in to what's happening in your own soul. He said, I leaned into that moment and that moment has changed my life. Now, Chris is on staff here. And you know what he does? He's a part of our creative and production team. So all the videos that you enjoy, that inspiration that you feel when you see faith in action, he has his hand on. He says, it was death that brought me to healing place, but it's at this place where I experienced the hope of heaven. Can I tell you this? You can leave here today with a heart full of hope. Amen. Do you receive that, church? Can you put your hands together if you believe that today? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.